Section 7 of The Golden Sayings of Epictetus by Epictetus. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Golden Sayings of Epictetus by Epictetus. Translated by Hastings Crosley. Aphorisms number 141 through 175. 141. Ponder on this, on these convictions, on these words. Fix thine eyes on these examples, if thou wouldst be free, if thou hast thine heart set upon the matter according to its worth, and what marvel if thou purchase so great a thing at so great and high a price. For the sake of this that men deem liberty, some hang themselves, others cast themselves down from the rock. Aye, Time has been when whole cities came utterly to an end, while for the sake of freedom that is true and sure and unassailable, dost thou grudge to God what he gave when he claims it? Wilt thou not study, as Plato saith, to endure not death alone, but torture, exile, stripes, in a word, to render up all that is not thine own? Else thou wilt be a slave amid slaves, wert thou ten thousand times a consul, I, not a whit the less, though thou climb the palace steps, and thou shalt know how true the saying of Cleanthus, that though the words of philosophers may run counter to the opinions of the world, yet have they reason on their side. 142. Asked how a man should best grieve his enemy, Epictetus replied, By setting himself to live the noblest life himself. 143. I am free, I am a friend of God, ready to render him willing obedience. Of all else I may set store by nothing, neither by mine own body, nor possessions, nor office, nor good report, nor, in a word, aught else beside. For it is not his will that I should so set store by these things. Had it been his pleasure, he would have placed my good therein. But now he hath not done so. Therefore I cannot transgress one jot of his commands. In everything hold fast to that which is thy good, but to all else, as far as is given thee, within the measure of reason only, contented with this alone. Else thou wilt meet with failure, ill-success, let, and hindrance. These are the laws ordained of God, these are his edicts, these a man should expound and interpret, to these submit himself, not to the laws of Messurius and Cassius. 144. Remember that not the love of power and wealth sets us under the heel of others, but even the love of tranquility, of leisure, of change of scene, of learning in general. It matters not what the outward thing may be. To set store by it is to place thyself in subjection to another. Where is the difference, then, between desiring to be a senator and desiring not to be one, between thirsting for office and thirsting to be quit of it. Where is the difference between crying, Woe is me, I know not what to do, bound hand and foot as I am to my books, so that I cannot stir, and crying, Woe is me, I have not time to read, as though a book were not as much an outward thing, and independent of the will, as office and power and the receptions of the great. Or what reason hast thou, tell me, for desiring to read? 
For if thou name at nothing beyond the mere delight of it, or gaining some scrap of knowledge, thou art but a poor spiritless knave. But if thou desirest to study to its proper end, what else is this than a life that flows on tranquil and serene? And if thy reading secures thee not serenity, what profits it? Nay, but it doth secure it, quoth he, and that is why I repine at being deprived of it. And what serenity is this that lies at the mercy of every passer-by? I say not at the mercy of the emperor or emperor's favorite, but such as trembles at a raven's croak and piper's din, a fever's touch, or a thousand things of like sort, whereas the life serene has no more certain mark than this, that it ever moves with constant, unimpeded flow. 145. If thou hast put malice and evil speaking from thee altogether or in some degree, if thou hast put away from thee rashness, foulness of tongue, intemperance, sluggishness, if thou art not moved by what once moved thee, or in like manner as thou once wert moved, then thou mayest celebrate a daily festival, to-day because thou hast done well in this manner, to-morrow in that. How much greater cause is here for offering sacrifice than if a man should become consul or prefect? 146. These things hast thou from thyself and from the gods. Only remember who it is that giveth them, to whom and for what purpose they were given. Feeding thy soul on thoughts like these, dost thou debate in what place happiness awaits thee, in what place thou shalt do God's pleasure? Are not the gods nigh unto all places alike? See they not alike what everywhere comes to pass? 147. To each man God hath granted this inward freedom. These are the principles that in a house create love, in a city concord, among nations peace, teaching a man gratitude toward God and cheerful confidence, wherever he may be, in dealing with outward things that he knows are neither his nor worth striving after. 148. If you seek truth, you will not seek to gain a victory by every possible means, and when you have found truth, you need not fear being defeated. 149. What foolish talk is this? How can I any longer lay claim to right principles, if I am not content with being what I am, but am all a flutter about what I am supposed to be? 150. God hath made all things in the world, nay, the world itself, free from hindrance and perfect, and its parts for the use of the whole. No other creature is capable of comprehending his administration thereof, but the reasonable being man possesses faculties for the consideration of all these things, not only that he is himself a part, but what part he is, and how it is meet that the parts should give place to the whole. Nor is this all. Being naturally constituted noble, magnanimous, and free, he sees that the things which surround him are of two kinds. Some are free from hindrance, and in the power of the will. Others are subject to hindrance, and depend on the will of other men. If then he place his own good, his own best interest, only in that which is free from hindrance and in his power, he will be free, tranquil, happy, unharmed, noble-hearted, and pious, giving thanks to all things unto God, finding fault with nothing that comes to pass, laying no charge against anything, 
whereas if he places his good in outward things, depending not on the will, he must perforce be subject to hindrance and restraint, the slave of those that have power over the things he desires and fears. He must perforce be impious, as deeming himself injured at the hands of God. He must be unjust, as ever prone to claim more than his due. He must perforce be of a mean and abject spirit. 151. Whom then shall I fear? The lords of the bedchamber, lest they should shut me out? If they find me desirous of entering in, let them shut me out, if they will. Then why comest thou to the door? Because I think it meet and right, so long as the play lasts, to take part therein. In what sense art thou then shut out? Because, unless I am admitted, it is not my will to enter. On the contrary, my will is simply that which comes to pass. For I esteem what God wills better than what I will. To him will I cleave as his minister and attendant, having the same movements, the same desires, in a word, the same will as he. There is no such thing as being shut out for me, but only for them that would force their way in. 152. But what says Socrates? One man finds pleasure in improving his land, another his horses. My pleasure lies in seeing that I myself grow better day by day. 153. The dress is suited to the craft. The craftsman takes his name from the craft, not from the dress. For this reason Euphrates was right in saying, I long endeavored to conceal my following the philosophic life, and this profited me much. In the first place, I knew that what I did aright. I did not for the sake of lookers-on, but for my own. I ate aright unto myself. I kept the even tenor of my walk, my glance composed and serene, all unto myself and unto God. Then as I fought alone, I was alone in peril. If I did anything amiss or shameful, the cause of philosophy was not in me endangered, nor did I wrong the multitude by transgressing as a professed philosopher. Wherefore those that knew not my purpose marveled how it came about, that whilst all my life and conversation was passed with philosophers without exception, I was yet none myself. And what harm that the philosopher should be known by his acts, instead of mere outward signs and symbols? 154. First study to conceal what thou art. Seek wisdom a little while unto thyself. Thus grows the fruit. First, the seed must be buried in the earth for a little space. There it must be hid and slowly grow, that it may reach maturity. But if it produce the ear before the jointed stalk, it is imperfect, a thing from the garden of Adonis. Such a sorry growth art thou. Thou hast blossomed too soon. The winter cold will wither thee away. 155. First of all, condemn the life thou art now leading. But when thou hast condemned it, do not despair of thyself. Be not like them of mean spirit, who once they have yielded, abandon themselves entirely, and, as it were, allow the torrent to sweep them away. No, learn what the wrestling masters do. Has the boy fallen? Rise, they say, wrestle again, till thy strength come to thee. Even thus should it be with thee. For know that there is nothing more tractable than the human soul. It needs but to will, and the thing is done. 
the soul is set upon the right path, as on the contrary it needs but to nod over the task, and all is lost, for ruin and recovery alike are from within. 156. It is the critical moment that shows the man. So when the crisis is upon you, remember that God, like a trainer of wrestlers, has matched you with a rough and stalwart antagonist. To what end, you ask? That you may prove the victor at the great games. Yet without toil and sweat this may not be. 157. If thou wouldst make progress, be content to seem foolish and void of understanding with respect to outward things. Care not to be thought to know anything. If any should make account of thee, distrust thyself. 158. Remember that in life thou shouldst order thy conduct as at a banquet. Has any dish that is being served reached thee? Stretch forth thy hand and help thyself modestly. Doth it pass thee by? Seek not to detain it. Has it not yet come? Send not forth thy desire to meet it, but wait until it reaches thee. Deal thus with children, thus with wife, thus with office, thus with wealth, and one day thou wilt be meet to share the banquets of the gods. But if thou dost not so much as touch that which is placed before thee, but despisest it, then shall thou not only share the banquets of the gods, but their empire also. 159. Remember that thou art an actor in a play, and of such sort as the author chooses, whether long or short. If it be his good pleasure to assign thee the part of a beggar, a ruler, or a simple citizen, thine it is to play it fitly. For thy business is to act the part assigned thee well, to choose it is another's. 160. Keep death and exile daily before thine eyes with all else that men deem terrible, but more especially death. Then wilt thou never think a mean thought, nor covet anything beyond measure. 161. As a mark is not set in order to be missed, so neither is such a thing as natural evil produced in the world. 162. Piety toward the gods, to be sure, consists chiefly in thinking rightly concerning them, that they are, and that they govern the universe with goodness and justice, and that thou thyself art appointed to obey them, and to submit under all circumstances that arise, acquiescing cheerfully in whatever may happen, sure it is brought to pass and accomplished by the most perfect understanding. Thus thou wilt never find fault with the gods, nor charge them with neglecting thee. 163. Lose no time in setting before you a certain stamp of character and behavior, both when by yourself and in company with others. Let silence be your general rule, or say only what is necessary and in few words. We shall, however, when occasion demands, enter into discourse sparingly, avoiding common topics as gladiators, horse races, athletes, and the perpetual talk about food and drink. Above all, avoid speaking of persons, either in way of praise or blame, or comparison. If you can, win over the conversation of your company to what it should be by your own. But if you find yourself cut off without escape among strangers and aliens, be silent. 164. Laughter should not be much, nor frequent, nor unrestrained. 165. 
Refuse altogether to take an oath if you can, if not, as far as may be. 166. Banquets of the unlearned, and of them that are without, avoid. But if you have occasion to take part in them, let not your attention be relaxed for a moment, lest you slip, after all, into evil ways. For you may rest assured that be a man ever so pure himself, he cannot escape defilement if his associates are impure. 167. Take what relates to the body as far as the bare use warrants, as meat, drink, raiment, house, and servants. But all that makes for show and luxury reject. 168. If you are told that such a one speaks ill of you, make no defense against what was said, but answer, He surely knew not my other faults, else he would not have mentioned these only. 169. When you visit any of those in power, bethink yourself that you will not find him in, that you may not be admitted, that the door may be shut in your face, that he may not concern himself about you. If with all this it is your duty to go, bear what happens, and never say to yourself, It was not worth the trouble, for that would smack of the foolish and unlearned who suffer outward things to touch them. 170. In company, avoid frequent and undue talk about your own actions and dangers. However pleasant it may be to you to enlarge upon the risks you have run, others may not find such pleasure in listening to your adventures. Avoid provoking laughter also. It is a habit from which one easily slides into the ways of the foolish, and apt to diminish the respect which your neighbors feel for you. To border on coarse talk is also dangerous. On such occasions, if a convenient opportunity offer, rebuke the speaker, if not, at least by relapsing into silence, coloring and looking annoyed, show that you are displeased with the subject. 171. When you have decided that a thing ought to be done, and are doing it, never shun being seen doing it, even though the multitude should be likely to judge the matter amiss. For if you are not acting rightly, shun the act itself. If rightly, however, why fear misplaced censure? 172. It stamps a man of mean capacity to spend much time on the things of the body, as to be long over bodily exercises, long over eating, long over drinking, long over other bodily functions. Rather should these things take the second place, while all your care is directed to the understanding. 173. Everything has two handles, one by which it may be borne, the other by which it may not. If your brother sin against you, lay not hold of it by the handle of injustice, for by that it may not be borne, but rather by this, that he is your brother, the comrade of your youth, and thus you will lay hold on it so that it may be borne. 174. Never call yourself a philosopher, nor talk much among the unlearned about principles, but do that which follows from them. Thus at a banquet, do not discuss how people ought to eat, but eat as you ought. Remember that Socrates thus entirely avoided ostentation. Men would come to him desiring to be recommended to philosophers, and he would conduct them thither himself. So well did he bear being overlooked. Accordingly, if any talk concerning principles should arise among the unlearned, be you for the most part silent, for you run great risk of spewing up what you have ill-digested. 
and when a man tells you that you know nothing, and you are not nettled at it, then you may be sure that you have begun the work. 175. When you have brought yourself to supply the needs of the body at small cost, do not pique yourself on that, nor if you drink only water, keep saying on each occasion, I drink water, and if you ever want to practice endurance and toll, do so unto yourself and not unto others. Do not embrace statues. End of section 7 Recording by Katie Giboney